Have y'all, has anybody ever dealt with something where someone stole something from you? Yeah. I remember growing up, my dad got his trailer stolen. I remember growing up when I was in college, my window got broken into. People were trying to steal things out of my truck. I remember not so long ago, one of my neighbors, their entire car was stolen, okay? Robbery is a real thing. Hold up for a second. Hang on. Tonight, we're going to talk about the ultimate heist. The ultimate heist. The big highway robbery that had implications, that had an effect for all of mankind. Tonight, I've got three big things I want to tell you, and the first one is real simple. The first one, if you're taking notes, is recruited and rewarded. And this is just a recap from last week. God recruited, God employed both Adam and Eve to be a part of this big mission of reflecting God's character and extending God's kingdom. And in the middle of recruiting them for this big command, which was such a joy, he also rewarded them with so many blessings. God allowed them to live in the garden with God. They would walk around in the swagger with Jesus hanging out. They also were in the garden naming the animals. What a cool job, right? They also were working and toiling through the, um, through the garden, like planting stuff, and they were able to eat any tree, any fruit they wanted. Like it was paradise on earth. And God gave them the authority over all of the creation. Life was real good in the garden, okay? Adam and Eve weren't wearing a lot of clothes in the garden, but if they were, they'd be wearing those life is good t-shirts with the guy in the hammock. You know what I'm talking about? The dad shirt, you know what I'm talking about? Y'all with me there? That's what they would have been wearing because life was so good in the garden. It was rich. Life was perfect. Exactly how God had intended for it to be with Adam and Eve. Could you imagine if you were going to school and right beside you was the Lord just walking with you and he's like, hey, so you ready for that test? And you're like, I don't know, I'm just nervous. And he's like, well, I can tell you what's coming up on this test. You know, I can help you out there if you wanted to. I'm just kidding. In the garden, there were no tests. It was just hanging out, chilling, all right? It was a quiz, pop quiz, y'all failed, okay? All right? Could you imagine how good it was to be in the garden with the Lord? Walking with him every day, talking with him. There was no challenge, there was no problem, there was no disease, there was no death. Everything was good. In the beginning, God had recruited and rewarded Adam and Eve in big ways. And life was so good. Now here's the reality. Let me just level with you. We can look around us today and see that life is no longer like it was in the garden, correct? There's a lot of brokenness around us. A lot of brokenness. Things that we say, this shouldn't be. And the question is, how do we go from the Garden of Eden to what we have today? Well, I'll tell you this. The second big thing I want you to see today is this. Not only did God recruit and reward you, but Satan has robbed and ruined what God intended. Satan robbed and ruined what God intended in the garden. 
So God was recruiting you. He was re rewarding you. Adam and Eve were both enlisted into this great command and were given so many blessings. But then the enemy came in and robbed them of those things and ruined what God had intended. So what happened? Well, Genesis chapter 3 is where we're going. Before we go there, I want to show you John 10, 10. One more time on the verse real quick. John 10, 10 says this. The thief comes to steal kill and destroy. That is his theme music in the background as he shows up on the scene. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is who we're talking about when we see Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Let me show it to you on the screen. Genesis 3, verse 1. I'm going to pull it up on my iPad as well. Genesis 3, verse 1 says this. Now the serpent, do we have that on there? Maybe not, no. Okay, all right, that's fine. All right. All right, Genesis 3, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you can go there with us real quick. You're going to want to see this is a big chunk we're going to read through together, okay? Genesis 3, verse 1. If you're not sure where Genesis is, then ask your neighbor or go to the first book of the Bible. Either way, both are good options. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. This is so good. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. The serpent here was something that was being used by Satan. So the serpent said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, and neither shall you touch it, lest you die. What tree is she talking about? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God had commanded, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or else you, uh, I can't remember exactly what said the end of it right there, but that's, dang, okay, all right. So here's what happened. He said, don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good of evil. And so Satan is saying, did God really say this? So then this is what Satan says to the woman. You will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, according to what the serpent just said, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And what's his name? Adam. That's right. She gave some to Adam and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. This is the part where all the middle school people get real squeamish because the word naked popped up. So chill, all right? The eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed figs leaves together to make for themselves loincloths. Basically, they're making themselves some Gucci outfits together because they just realized after that they've seen their sin before one another and now they're covering it up with the leaves of the garden. They're hiding themselves. They're ashamed. 
And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They heard the Lord coming through the garden. And the man, his name is? And his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? This is not because the Lord doesn't know like what's going on. The Lord is very aware. He is simply asking this just like when my parents would come to me and they would say, Corey, what happened today at school? Knowing they've already got a phone call from the principal, right? They're just, they're per, he's personally conversating with Adam and Eve here. And he says, where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And check this out. He says, I was afraid. If you want to under robbed and ruined, write down the word fear. He said, I was afraid. Write down the word fear with that. He says, because I was naked, there is guilt over what he has done. You can write down the word guilt, G-U-I-L-T, next to fear. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. When he says I hid myself, you know what that brings about? Shame. Adam and Eve were hiding because they were fearful, because they were guilty, and because they were ashamed of their mistake. God said, who told you that you were naked? And have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And Adam said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Right next to that one, next to fear, guilt, and shame, write the word blame. Fear, guilt, shame, and blame. He said, the woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, who is this or what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The passage goes on a little bit further than this, and it talks about all of the curses that came out of this. The Lord was going to punish the sin. Rightfully so, because our God is a good judge. And he looked at both of them, both the serpent, Adam, and Eve, and gave out a curse for every one of them. He said that the 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 work of the man is going to be hard and laborious. You're going to sweat. You're going to be working in thorns and thistles, not the fruit of the garden anymore. He tells the woman that, man, you're going to have tension with you and man. You and, you and men are going to have a strife with one another because you will try to rule over him or the conflict there. But then he also says to the woman, he says, you're going to have, or you're going to have pain during childbirth now. And then finally, to both man and woman, he says to both of them, he says that one day you will return to the dust of the earth, meaning one day you will die. I'm telling you right now, I've experienced friends and family that have died in many times past. And I'm just telling you right now, that is never a result or a plan from the Lord. That is a direct result of the sin from Adam and Eve in the very beginning. Death was caused and brought on because we rebelled against the ways and the commands of God. Sin has robbed 
and ruined what was intended in Genesis chapter 1. God had created a place for us to walk in a rich relationship with the Lord, and sin robbed us with the temptations. And Adam and Eve fell into the trap of sin. And you know what it took from them? It took away from them with the intimacy with the Lord. They used to walk in the cool of the garden, and they were cast out of the garden. They used to walk with the Lord all the time, and now they're hiding from him. It also robbed them of their inheritance with the Lord. They were supposed to live in the garden. Now they've been cast out. Think about the blessings they had in the garden that are now been robbed from them, that the curses that they now inherited. It's also robbed of them their life. You see, death was not a part of the plan in the garden. Yet whenever Adam and Eve made the mistake and sinned, they brought on the curse of death for all of mankind. I tell you that because here's the, y'all like big whoop for Adam and Eve. Well, here's the deal. We are all lineage descendants of Adam and Eve and the curse that was played, placed on Adam and Eve is the same curse that exists in all of our lives today. The enemy has robbed and ruined what God first intended for every one of us. The enemy has set the trap and we've been tricked. My youth pastors say all the time that the enemy, his words are the skin of the truth, but they're stuffed with a lie. Have you ever seen, I'm gonna show you this little picture real quick of a jelly bean game. Y'all might've heard of it. It's called the Bean Boozle Challenge. Is that right? Anybody hate this game? Thank you. I, I want to hang out with all the people with their hands up right now. I hate this game. On one side, on one side, you could get lime. And on the other side, you could get the same looking jelly bean and end up with lawn chippings. Disgusting. You could get berry blue, one of the very best jelly beans on the planet, right? Or you can get stuck with the nasty old toothpaste. Oh, y'all like toothpaste? What about rotten egg? Dead fish is a new one. Have y'all tried this one? Here's the reality. I'm just shooting you straight. I've done this challenge one time and I had enough. I was done with it. Because you pick up a jelly bean and it looks the part. It looks like it's the flavor you love, you know? It looks like it's a good one. You even have hope. This one's going to be good. This one's going to be fine. Yeah. And you throw it back and you get moldy cheese. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, I feel like the bamboozle game is not fun anymore because I'm losing, right? That's how you feel. You're like, I've had enough. Y'all have all had your friend or sibling that have gotten all good ones and you got all the bad ones, right? I'm just telling you, the enemy, the enemy operates just like this. He told Adam and Eve, he said, listen, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, man, you're going to be made wise. You won't die. You're going to be like God. 
And the reality is, all those things that Satan promised, he underdelivered on every one of them. And what, what Eve believed to be true was actually stuffed on the inside with nothing but lies from the enemy. Where is the enemy lying to you right now? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Where has he tricked you? Where has he promised to trick you out with the coolest stuff on the planet, but actually he is tripping you up every way along the road? Like, where is this happening? For Adam and Eve, this one temptation, this one trap in the garden has set all of humanity off course, has robbed us of what God intended, and has ruined what God had planned. The good news, though, is this. Despite the mistake of Adam and Eve, despite all of our sinful mistakes that we make all the time, God has made a way for us to find redemption from that. If you're taking notes, the last thing I'm going to cover tonight, and I'm done, is this. Not only have we seen God recruit and reward in Genesis 1, and then in Genesis 3, we've seen the enemy rob and ruin, but here's what we see. It's so good about the Lord. The Lord comes in behind after the enemy's work, and he robes us in righteousness and redeems us through Jesus Christ. He robes us through righteousness, and he redeems us through Jesus Christ. We are robed and redeemed. Let me show you in Genesis 3. Blake, I'm going to go out of order here real quick. I'm going to go Genesis 3, 20 and 21 first. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. You see, the Lord robed Adam and Eve in the skin of some kind of animal. And so what we know from this is that the Lord slaughtered an animal, took the skin, and clothed Adam and Eve with, with garments of skin. We hear that and we're like, yeah, they didn't have the mall to go to, to get this stuff back in the day. I get it, right? This has so much more significance because here's what we see. This is the very first sacrifice for sin. And Adam and Eve weren't just being clothed with some new kind of garment. They were being a picture. They were a picture of the coming clothing of righteousness that God places on every single one of us. When Jesus died on the cross, he took on all of our sin, all of our guilt, all the curses on Adam and Eve and all the rest of creation were placed on Jesus Christ. And he bore all the sin, the shame, the guilt. He took it all on. And what he took was his righteous robe, his righteous garments. And he took them off of himself and he would place them on. Stand up for me real quick, Trey. He would place them on anyone who would follow to become Jesus, the robe of righteousness was placed on us. 
We have been made clean and righteous because of the work of Jesus. The sacrifice of this animal in Genesis chapter 3 was a picture of the coming sacrifice of Jesus on a cross thousands of years later. Thank you very much, Trey. I tell you that because here's the deal. Jesus was in the business of redeeming every single one of us despite our mistakes. Despite the sin and the failure and the rejection and rebellion that we see in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. God was in the business of redeeming it. And this is what he tells Satan. Y'all thought I left out Satan here, but in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, this is the last thing I'll close with and I'll wrap up. Genesis 3, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman. This is what, Jesus, what God is saying to Satan. I will put enmity between Satan and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. You're like, this sounds like something from a crazy, I don't know, book. I don't know what you would say. It sounds bonkers. I will put, I will put conflict between you and the woman. And what he's saying is one day, Satan, you are going to, you may have won with the curse of the woman now, but one day the woman is going to bring about an offspring, a seed, a son that will ultimately defeat you. He, the son, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And this sounds very poetic and cryptic. And what he's saying in this passage here, if you study on your own, Genesis 3.15, you can go search it on your own if you want to. What he's saying in this passage is one day through Eve will come an offspring, and that lady's name will be Mary, and Mary will one day bear, uh, bear a son, and his name will be Jesus, and Jesus, you will think you will have one whenever he dies on the cross. I heard a song once that said the three best days of the devil's life was the three days that he was in the tomb. But on the third day, Jesus will rise from the dead, and he will defeat sin, he will defeat death, and he will defeat the enemy. So in Genesis chapter 3, the Lord has made a promise that one day God is going to redeem, he's going to fix, he's going to save that which has been ruined and robbed by Satan in Genesis chapter 3. Does that make sense to you guys? Y'all tracking me so far? This is deep stuff, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. I'm not trying to shy back from it. I'm trying to give you the full gambit here. I'm just trying to show you, listen, from the very beginning, the enemy was seeking to rob you of all that God had intended. But God, in his rich love and mercy, had set a plan in motion from Genesis chapter 3 to redeem, to fix, and to save you from the challenge, from the oppression, from the chains of sin itself. So I'll look at you guys today and I ask you the simple question. Have you ever experienced salvation? Have you ever ex experienced being saved from the ruining, the robbery that happened when sin entered this world? Have you ever been saved from your own sin? Have you ever encountered a real like relationship with the Lord where when you see things like the garden where Adam and Eve walked with the Lord, you're now in a spot where after, although sin ruined that, when you made a decision to follow Jesus, now you're walking with him and enjoying the Lord. Have you experienced that moment? Some of you in this room are stuck 
in the chains, in the grime, in the rut of sin. And I'm here to tell you right now, there's hope for you today. God invites every one of you to follow him. And he says, if you will believe in Jesus, if you turn away from your sin, if you'll move away from doing the rebellious things against God's commands, but rather choose to follow him, and if you'll choose to make him the Lord of your life, saying, I'm going to follow God with my life, if you will do that, then you will be saved today. See, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Some of you in the room today are asking the question, how can I be saved? I've just walked through how you can believe in the Lord, trust in the Lord, and walk with him today. And I want to challenge you right now, is there anyone in this room today who would say, Corey, I've heard you talk about sin for the last 20 minutes, and I want to be free from this this rebellion against God. I want, I want to start following the Lord for the very first time. I want to get saved. If that's someone in the room today, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to just lift up your hand right where you're at, and I'm going to come find you and walk with you to the back. And me and you can talk more about how you can be saved. I'm not, I know this is bold. I'm just not trying to skimp on it. If there's someone in the room today who says, I really want to get saved and follow the Lord, we just lift up your hand for me real quick? I will come find you right now, and we can go to the back and chat more. Anybody who says they want to follow the Lord for the first time? That tells me a lot of people in the room would say, hey, one of two things, I'm already a follower of Jesus. Then let me tell you this right here. You've already made the decision to follow the Lord, and he's already rescued you from the ruin that the Lord brought about, or from the, that Satan brought about. He's brought about redemption for you. So what is stopping you right now from living a life like you're back in the garden? Like life is good because I'm walking with the Lord. What is robbing you of that? Where is the enemy tempting you or trapping you from getting to experience all that he has planned for your life? Because when Jesus died on the cross, he freed you from sin, from the temptations of the enemy. He freed you from the, uh, the, the reason to walk in that. I'm not saying you're be perfect. I'm saying but he's freed you from having to walk in that every single day. God has set you free on a different path. So what is stopping you right now from walking with the Lord? Tonight, I want to challenge you with that question. What is keeping you from enjoying the way that Adam and Eve walked with the Lord in the garden? What's stopping you from living like that today in your life?